Welcome to the Chronic Spoonful podcast, where we discuss real life with real chronic illness. Each week, we'll cover an aspect of real life spoony living and what that can mean for different chronic illnesses. We hope this will be a place you can go for updated spoony info and where you'll find humor because, you know, we're a little crazy, important information, and community. As a disclaimer, we just want to remind you that, yes, we'll be talking about chronic illness and health information, but we are not your doctor. Everyone's chronic illness is different, and we are absolutely not MDs, so we are not qualified to give you medical advice. We're going to tell you unequivocally to discuss anything we talk about on this podcast with your doctor. Welcome back to the Chronic Spoonful podcast. We have another very exciting episode for you guys today, and because we are excited to welcome another guest to talk about another chronic illness. Woo woo. Um, but this is, this is going to be a really great episode because, uh, we have Morgan Berliner here and she's going to talk about having narcolepsy, which a lot of people, I'm going to make a good assumption. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't actually know what narcolepsy is, how the body, you know, what the body does when it has narcolepsy, because there are so many misconceptions out there about it. Some of you may be like, I didn't even know narcolepsy was a chronic illness. So this is going to be a really interesting episode to learn a little bit more about an illness we don't talk about that much. And we, if we do talk about it, we're not talking about it in the right ways. So welcome, Morgan. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Um, this is awesome. And like, I'm really excited to talk about it too, because it's definitely something where like, when you tell people you get like a lot of like the Bruce Bigelow, like reference or like Mr. Bean reference. And you're like, yeah, but like, no. So I'm really excited to like, also it's really underdiagnosed. So if I can help somebody like take this to their doctor and be like, Hey, like, listen, I have the same things. Like I've done my job. Like I can die happy. So um, (laughs) very good, very good approach. I do think that this is something that people need to know more about. Um, because we, you know, there's a lot of sleep. They just mostly try to diagnose like sleep apnea as any sleep disorder. Mm -hmm. And, um, but there are many, types of like disordered sleeping and, and chronic illness disorders that are like sleep disorders. So I think that this is a really great topic to bring up for people. So tell us a little bit about what narcolepsy actually is for people who aren't that familiar with it. For sure. So narcolepsy is generally termed as like a combination between a sleep disorder, a neuro disorder, and an autoimmune disorder. So you both um, sleep doctors and neuro doctors treat narcolepsy. I prefer to like refer people to sleep doctors because it is so grounded in sleep that I really think they need that background. Um, But essentially it's where the body in some way has destroyed the orexin uh, or the, I believe the other term for it is like hypocretin. And that, uh, that is what basically controls the circadian rhythm. So your sleep and wake cycles are controlled heavily by orexin. And with less orexin, your body is very confused. So a lot of the main things that you get with that are what they say. When I started like learning about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and I see EDS all the time, I was like, oh, you have excessive daytime sleepiness too? Like, 
And it's very different. So. Well, actually, as someone with EDS, yes, we also have excessive daytime sleepiness too. But yeah, that's you know, funny because that's what my my sleep doctor actually, he, when I wrote down EDS, he's like, what do you mean by EDS? And I was oh, like, wow. Ehlers-Danlos. And he's like, okay, because in our world, we call it excessive daytime sleeping. So that that's funny you said that. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I like... I mean, it's the same, but different, you know, like, but you know, two sides of the same EDS coin, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, so you have the excessive daytime sleepiness, which will typically happen in the afternoon. And a lot of times it's your body thinking like, oh, it's nighttime. I shut down now. And then on the other side, you have a lot of trouble sleeping. So narcolepsy can take up to like, 10 to 20 years sometimes to really present itself in a way that behaves clinically, um, like what has been described as clinically. And so I remember even in high school, I had like a quote unquote bedtime and I'd be like, all right, like I'm in bed at 10, but like, I'm not going to be sleeping. Like no matter how hard I try, like, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Or I'd wake up like, multiple times throughout the night and it's really hard like I'd have to stay up till three just to get tired enough to like actually sleep a consistent amount and the reason why it is why I term it as like yes it's neuro but it's also sleep is it really fucks with your REM and so you go into REM but you don't fully go into REM so like your brain goes into REM but your body doesn't And then your body goes into REM, but your brain doesn't. And that's a part of the inconsistencies too between like the sleep regulation. And so I have something, so there's a few different, so there's narcolepsy one and which is narcolepsy with cataplexy and narcolepsy two, um, which is basically just narcolepsy with like idiopathic hypersomnia. And Um, in probably early high school, my dad would like make like a joke or like mess around with us, whatever. And I would like fall over laughing and like, it would feel like it was like, I lost control of like my face and my head and my body. And I thought like, okay, maybe I wasn't breathing. So I would like try to breathe more when I was at, which sounds ridiculous. Cause you're like, how could you be bad at it? But like, I'm like, maybe I just need to breathe more as I'm laughing. And it did, didn't work surprisingly. Uh, I'm shocked. Shocking. <laughs> and like my dad's like a goofball. So he'd be like kicking me as I'm like laughing on the floor, but like I can't get up and I can't like control my face. So I'm like biting my tongue as I'm like doing it. I'm like, what is, what is wrong with me? And this would happen consistently. And then it started getting worse. Like it would happen when I was angry or frustrated or really annoyed or, you know, and other times when you're with somebody that you really enjoy being with that you're not going to like necessarily talk about on the air, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think people can infer. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, like that. And then um, you're like, okay, maybe I'm just like not meant to laugh really hard. Like maybe, I maybe, and I, which is like an insane thought. You totally like, start gaslighting yourself. Absolutely. And then, so that is cataplexy. And then, so my ex-boyfriend at the time um, was like, hey, like 
I think you have narcolepsy. And I was like, you can't just tell people that. It's not a, you can't just, <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm serious. Like you sleep at the weirdest times. He's like, you can't like sit down without sleeping. And I'm like, yeah, but I work 12 hours a day. Uh, Cause I was a, a restaurant server in like a five-star hotel. And I was like, you know, we were running up and down like stairs all the time. And I was like, yeah, but like Morgan, that's not normal. And I was like, I mean, I'm not normal. So, right. so you know, just and then, the not be, not being a normal person. Yeah. And then I looked it up and oh. it said one of the first symptoms was cataplexy. And I was like, what is that? And I looked at, I was like, oh crap. Oh no. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> why does this describe me so well? Right? Like they're like sudden loss of muscle control or movement. I was like, oh God. They're like during laughing. I'm like, shit. Um, so that started in high school. And I noticed like at the end of middle school, I started gaining more weight and not being able to lose it as easily, which they found narcolepsy has a profound um, uh, effect on metabolism and the way that it metabolizes because of the issues with REM, they found that you don't actually produce the human growth hormone that you need to truly like metabolize what you're eating. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with like the fatigue, a lot of times people with narcolepsy will eat because they're like, okay, well then I need the energy, but it's actually just, you're not even processing the energy that you've already given your body. So then it just gets stored as fat, even though like I was working out, like I've, unfortunately had a history of disordered eating. Um, and so I would be eating very, very small amounts and working out very hard, but was still like getting gaslighted by doctors about my weight and all of these things. And I'm like, look, like I cannot eat less like physically. Um, and so, you know, I had a lot of doctors who were just like, well, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. And, um, unfortunately it culminated to the part where basically I could only basically, um, go to work and sleep and maybe go to the gym. Um, because like, it was still stuck in my head that to be a valuable person in society, that's what I had to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I basically went to the doctor and I was like, look, I'm not going to make it another month. Like if you want me to stay on this planet, I either need like a psych referral or I need a sleep doctor or like a neuro or something because something's wrong. It's just so sad. You had to hit that point to get your doctor to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And there's like stuff that we're still investigating. I mean, so I just found out that I have ADHD as well, which is also on the same gene as narcolepsy along with um, celiac. And so I found out that I have a gluten allergy. I'm not celiac, um, but I do have a gluten allergy, but ADHD is so like intertwined with it. I had no idea. Yeah. It's just like, it's insane to me that like, you you just like gaslight yourself and then you're being gaslighted and then you're like, well, maybe it is all me. Like, Yep. yep. Yeah. I've done that many times. So I've asked that question. And you're like, wait, did that actually happen? And I'm so sorry that like you've experienced it too. Like I know it's, you know, in the chronic illness community, it is such like a, a common, like 
you know, experience, but I still think that it's so common that doctors would recognize that they're, you know, that they, doctors would be able to recognize that they're doing it and they don't always. So, um, yeah, it's, that is very difficult. And I think all of us could try to get better at confronting doctors on the gaslighting. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's a hard skill to learn. It really is. It was hard. You know, I'm a nurse and I dealt with doctors all the time and I had a huge problem with when they would tell me something. A lot of the times I would feel like I shouldn't speak up. That was really hard to overcome. Mm -hmm. Oh, I bet. Um, I remember. So when I was trying to get my diagnosis, so the doctor, the, my primary physician referred me to a neuro um, first And he basically said, like, you know, you basically have no signs of narcolepsy besides, like, maybe the cataplexy. Like, you're definitely exaggerating. um, And you should probably just lose some, because I was having problems staying awake during, like, fun times with others, privately, not clothed, you know. And (laughs) basically, if I lay down, I was out. I was done. Wow. And he was basically like, okay, well, you should probably just lose some weight and find some better partners. And I was like, unbelievable. Are you fucking kidding me? Like my entire existence has been boiled down to this. Yeah. Yeah. And someone to say something like that, to dismiss somebody like that, you yeah. know, oh, just lose some weight and find somebody else. You know, that's all or, you or need. Do you think we're making all this stuff up yeah. or do you think that we're just, you know, being hysterical about something minor and we've been going to doctors for 10 years. Like, yeah. Cause we all love getting poked and prodded the way we are. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Well, even so like, if you were to talk to my mom, like she even says too, she was like, as a baby, you slept way more than like you should have. And she's like, I went to doctors all the time. And they were like, she's fine. Like she's tired. It's fine. And she was like, but you would be like violent, like getting woken up and they would be like, okay. <laughs> so don't wake her up. My mom was like, Okay, but like she's sleeping through mealtimes. Like she's not even hungry. Like, yeah. And, and and unless you're underweight, they don't, they're like, that's fine. They're, they're fine to mm-hmm. just keep it. Mm-hmm. So unless you're underweight or look undernourished, look just undernourished, they won't do anything. Just nope. let them sleep. Just let them sleep. But it, wow. so the, the thing is, so I kind of describe it like this. Like, I, I know you guys are familiar with um, spoon theory. Mm-hmm. And when I found it, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) But the way that I kind of explain it is um, it makes more sense to like my family as like tokens. And like, this is kind of how I used it with employers too, was like, okay, I wake up every day. And if it's like a perfect, if I had a perfect day with a perfect sleep and my meds work perfectly, which is like 15% of the time, because I'm on a very, very heavy stimulant and basically on medical GHB and then I take modafinil which they use on like airplane pilots and like military um and if it works how it's supposed to I wake up with like okay 20 tokens and I was like okay getting dressed takes like five and then I have to like get to work and and you know I can borrow from tomorrow's tokens but then I'm in debt yes and Mm -hmm. I found that that's been a really effective way of like explaining it. And like the tiredness, it's not just like you're tired. It's like visceral, like your bones are like crying and like your connective tissue and like you almost can't like move your body. Like you're like, I'm stuck 
but then your brain's like going around in circles and then you're also telling yourself like I'm terrible and I'm a lump and then like but you can't even get up to like feed yourself so you're like well guess I'm not eating today like but don't you know that's just depression right Mm -hmm. yeah right or like well if and also you should never say that's just depression because, but but doctors that's a lot of doctors will tell you that's just, just anxiety. Depression. Yeah, just anxiety. It's just depression. And by the way, both of those are two debilitating mental health disorders. So oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, <laughs> words escape me. <laughs> like, cause like, just even the effect that like depression only can have on you yes. is yeah, like. So yeah. the fact that like they like write it off like that is, I'm sorry. <laughs> What? <laughs> a way to dismiss all the people who are suffering with depression, like yeah. way to dismiss, because by, by diminishing my physical symptoms, by calling them a mental health disorder, you're diminishing all the people who actually have that mental health disorder and need your help because you're saying they're not like that, that they're not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a whole ball of wax that just gets me really, really angry and I don't have enough spoons to be this angry all the time. Right. <laughs> right. I love the tokens explanation. I love that the way you explain that. That's a, it really oh, is. Yeah. That was great. I appreciate it. It's, you know, it's funny. My dad works in like mortgages and finance. So like to get him to like, understand it, I was like, wait, okay. I need something to like make sense than like spoons. Yeah. Cause like, it's more like monetary. That's yeah. yeah. Like, so tell us the process you went through with diagnosis, like who actually diagnosed you, what tests helped diagnose you. Cause a lot of, you know, we're talking a lot about feeling that exhaustion and, and fatigue, and that goes along with a lot of chronic illnesses, but with, with narcolepsy, how did they differentiate the fatigue from, you know, maybe something else versus your narcolepsy? So that's actually like a really good question. So um, after I was told that by the neuro, I basically was like crying in my car and my dad has like really bad sleep apnea. And so he was like, hey, why don't you try my sleep doctor? Um, I know he listens. So why don't you like give him a call? And luckily I had a PPO at the time. So I didn't need doctor referrals to just go. So I basically spoke to the office manager and I told her what I was going through. And essentially the only way that I really knew to like check for narcolepsy was due to internet research. Right. And really just like breaking down, like, okay, what am I feeling? So like finding the cataplexy was the first like big clue because I, that was something concrete that like, I couldn't gaslight myself out of. Like I knew it was happening. My friends, my like, I'm a goober if you couldn't tell already. And like, I love like pranking people or like I would steal like my friend's like collection of pens, like out of his pocket. Like he wouldn't like notice. (laughs) And I would like hide it behind the bar. And um, as he's about to like figure it out, I'd fall over and he's like, I didn't even get to the prank. Like I just, (laughs) you'd miss the best part. I know. Or I'd be like hanging on to like the bar, like, ah. Oh, like, oh, that my- sucks. <laughs> I'm like, I ruined it. No. And so I couldn't gaslight myself out of it because like everybody knew that it was happening. They're like, all right, and Morgan falls over laughing like she did something. Like, <laughs> yeah, when they say rolling on the floor laughing and yeah. you're doing it literally versus yeah. figuratively, like actually rolling on the floor. <laughs> 
<laughs> Literally. <laughs> Thing. Oh don't recommend it like or when like what time like i was crossing like in a crosswalk and somebody said something and i started falling over they're like nope don't you dare like oh no <laughs> we need to we need you to not be a version of flat stanley we need you to be That's right we need right? you to stand up no, straight no ma'am no way <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh so then so then you call the doctor's office you tell you tell you're talking to the office manager and then you saw the sleep doctor, yes. right? So basically, yeah. So I got my appointment and I basically told him like the same things I had been saying is like the like debilitating exhaustion. The fact that it would take me four hours to go to the gym because I had a nap before the gym, after the gym and after the shower before I could do my hair. So, um, and, you know, saying like, I can't sleep at night. I wake up every hour. Um, but during the afternoon, I can't like not sleep. I was falling asleep driving um I like you know going to lunch with people was like really hard because you know you're having to fight yourself you're like I could just fall asleep right here and you're like maybe I shouldn't like that's probably not good but like and so you know explaining that and then they have this test that you do so pinpointing the fact that it was like which doctor to go to was probably the hardest part okay and then um, they have a test that you fill out and it's basically you have to rank from like one to four and they're like, okay, like one is like never and four is always. And so it's like, okay, I fall asleep at like stoplights um, or I feel like I'm falling asleep on the freeway or I will fall asleep laying down after lunch with no alcohol or um, I you know, fall asleep with, um, like going to watch a movie at a movie theater. And I was mostly threes and fours for everything. And I didn't realize that people don't fall asleep like this. And I was like, wait, I'm sorry. Do people not fall asleep? With it becomes so normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's really common is like when we have these symptoms, sometimes they're not super severe. So we're like, Oh, I'm in, I'm, I'm at least a level two in pain every day. And people are like, Kelly, you're supposed to be at a zero every day. You should not be in pain every it's true. day. Like it's, we, we just normalize our symptoms and think everyone else experiences us. It becomes part of your every day, every minute that it literally is your norm. And then when people look at you funny and you're like, what's, yeah. what's weird. And they're like, you really have, yeah, that's what you struggle with. Yeah. And you think you're like, well, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. doesn't everyone have a little bit of this and no they don't they don't yeah and that's what the crazy part is because what I found too is that tired is such like a universal existence mm-hmm. and so when you when I first started telling people that I had narcolepsy or when I first started telling people that I was getting tested for things they're like oh well I'm tired too and it's like oh okay like do you have to pull off on the freeway and sleep in parking lots, like going an hour, like somewhere or like, and that's the thing. It was like, my friends used to joke that like, it was my party trick that I would fall asleep at parties. And it was like, I could not go to a party and not fall asleep. So like, I would go and like sleep on the couch and my friends would just kind of like sit around me because I'd be at their house anyway. So I knew it was safe. Um, and, or like I'd fall asleep just watching TV and like, Mm -hmm. you know, my friend got locked out of the apartment. I had no idea. Like, I'll just, I'm like, 
like a log. And wow, you sleep so, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And or sometimes I would sleep like too hard and I would wake up with like a headache and feel like horrible and like feel sick all day. Oh, wow. And so when you take this test and then they basically go in and they input your numbers and they're like, okay. So he basically saw it and he was like, okay, this is really interesting. Why don't you tell me about your day? And I was like, okay, well, I wake up, I eat breakfast, I take a nap, I go to the gym, take a nap. And then um, he's like, finally, like we get through all this. And he was like, oh, okay. So actually all of this sounds like really classic narcolepsy. Um, you know, so from that point, you go into what's called a polysomnogram, which is where you sleep the whole night at the doctor's office and you're hooked up to all the electrodes and everything. And they want to see how you sleep normally. So like, they don't want you going home and like staying up all night. So you have your polysomnogram and they basically calculate like your REM and how quick it took you to go into REM, how long it took you to fall asleep, like this, that, and the other. So, and the problem with narcolepsy is that a, especially neurologists, like I'm in a, nar a few narcolepsy groups and I've seen that neurologists will just look at the polysomnogram. But the problem is that most narcoleptics will actually have a totally normal polysomnogram. Mm -hmm. So the next day, what they do is something called an MSLT or a multi-sleep latency test. And basically what it is, is on the, like on the monitors, they can see your brain wake up. And it was funny. Um, so I went to my doctor's office and had the sleep testing there. And um, the sleep technician, he was so rad. He was like, imagine like old rock band guy, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like watching like crazy indie movies and like talking about like, I love like weird shit. And he was like, I love weird shit too. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> so like, he pops into my like my like room so you have like your it's like a bedroom it's like set of it's very weird mm -hmm. but like they also have like mannequins with like the sleep apnea machines on their faces <laughs> so you're like oh this is like, my god that's creepy <laughs> oh my gosh and you have to go in you have to like shower and you can't have any product in your hair it can't be done like you can't have any moisturizers like on your head or your face because they right. have to attach like it's everything things. and so you look at yourself in the mirror and your hair is like <laughs> and then like it's all over and then you're looking at these like mannequins with like things covering their noses and their mouths and you're like this is a horror movie I'm fine like <laughs> saw I'm in saw that's right <laughs> like this is totally normal nobody's gonna attack me this is normal <laughs> and they don't let you be on your phone because your phone's really bad for you like with the mm -hmm. light and everything and so they're like yeah don't touch your phone and I'm like yeah what am I supposed to do? Look at these guys. Like I already can't fall asleep. Like I'm already nervous. This is uncomfortable. And now I'm looking at this guy with his nose plugged. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this guy is like an old, like, I swear he had like the garage with like the band practice and he pops oh, in and he's like, Hey, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh gosh. So much. But like, he's rad, but I'm like, I want to kill him, but you know, totally <laughs> like, I'm only five, like, three so I'm like mm, spider monkey attack probably not a good <laughs> plan <laughs> so the thing is so you have to basically every two hours so they wake you up and they make you stay awake for two hours okay. if you fall asleep 
any time in that two hours, it negates the entire MSLT and the polysomnogram for the night. Oh my gosh. Oh no. So he's like, you kid, you're coming with me. So we go into his like office and like, he let me watch like the different, like, like, you know, the sleep apnea, like on the machine and stuff like that. And then we watched like old, like indie horror movies and like, and I brought like my stuff to study and, um, I felt myself starting to fall asleep and he's like, absolutely not. Like, no, (laughs) have you heard these songs? They're really loud. um, Then after the two hour period, they lay you down in a room that's dark and they see, okay, they give you 20 minutes to fall asleep. If you fall asleep within the 20 minutes, they wait to see, they give you an extra five minutes or an extra 10 minutes to see if you go into REM. If you go into REM, they let you finish REM. Then they wake you up and you do it again. You're supposed to do it a total of five times. Basically the test is if you go into, so I had an hour and a half of REM on the polysomnogram and everything like looked normal. That was actually a little long for like REM in like normally. But if I have an hour and a half of REM, two hours later, I should not be going into REM. Um, And I went into REM and the thing was too, it was on a day where they didn't normally do like MSLTs and they were doing like moving an office upstairs. So you could hear them like dropping things and like moving stuff around. And I still fell asleep and went into REM. Oh, wow. And then, so we did it and, you know, we went through it a second time. So he's like, all right, come on, kid. And I was like, I hate you so much. (laughs) Um, Like you're rad, but uh, I'm going to kill you. Um, (laughs) So we did the whole thing again, another two hours. And then I had to go lay down again and I went into REM again. And basically the whole thing is if you do this multiple times, there is clearly an issue with your REM and sleep cycle. And that's very indicative of narcolepsy. And so when I did it a second time, he was like, you don't even need to stay for like the other three times, like go home. You're, you have to. Wow. So like, thank you. Cause I just don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Like, can I just I want to go home and go to sleep? sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, can I just go to sleep and not have to talk to you for two hours, please? <laughs> Seriously. Oh, that's so intense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the process of getting diagnosed. And then from there, it depends on your insurance. I mean, it's a game of insurance. Um, if you have Kaiser, so I'm on something called Zyrem and basically it's so controlled that it's funny because it's only a schedule three, but it's so controlled that it's out of one pharmacy and I think like Missouri or something like that oh wow and you have to like talk to them they're the only ones who distribute it you have to get it like FedEx overnighted to you and um Kaiser because Kaiser goes through their own like pharmacy you can't get it on Kaiser but like the good thing is they have like anybody who's like so I'm on state insurance and my state insurance covers it fully And, um, but they also have like, um, payment assistance and they have like, cause in the veterinary community. So I was a vet tech, um, before like taking my business full time and in the vet tech world, you have to wait 90 days to get insurance. And as I was waiting the 90 days to get insurance, they give you like a patient payment plan. And basically you don't really have to pay anything. Like as long as they determine like, what the financial need is and like, do you actually not have insurance during this time? Things like that. Um, so they're really, they're pretty like 
they're difficult because it's, you know, like anything, but they're actually like their patient assistance program is really helpful. So to anybody who's listening to this, if you're kind of at that stage, like, don't be afraid to go through that because yeah. I actually used it and it was, it saved a whole bunch of, um, headache. Um, so basically what my doctor did was he brought me in and he was like, congrats, you have narcolepsy surprise. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, and then they hand you like this packet and he's like, okay, I want to get you on, you know, this medication called Xyrem. And they do a whole like kind of assessment, um, because like, there's all these things because, you know, of what it can be used for. You have to like, they have to look at like your background, like a background check to make sure you're not like, you know, serial rapist or things like that. Like any kind, because it's like the date rape. Yeah. The date rape drug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this is, um, it's really, really salty. It tastes like ocean water, but like the street versions, like the colorless, tasteless, like thing that they put in people's drinks. So they have to make sure like, okay, you don't have a history of like selling narcotics or, um, makes total sense. Yeah. And they also look into like, do you have a history of like depression and anxiety and like these kinds of things? And I do. And so I had to go through like, no, I'm not like, I don't have suicidal ideation. Like, no, I don't have these things, which like makes sense, but it also, it makes me really concerned for like narcoleptics out there who have struggled with like, or are like struggling with those things at the same time. Cause I've struggled with them, but like in the past. So it was like far enough away where they're like, okay, like we trust that you're probably not going to do anything stupid. Um, but it just like, I don't have a solution to that issue, but it does make me really concerned for people who are struggling with that as well. Like definitely. So, um, and then so it's supposed to basically what it does is it sedates you enough so you get the REM sleep and the restorative sleep and then it is supposed to help with the cataplexy through that oh so I did notice a reduction for a while um until I moved to Arizona about three years ago um and that's when I started noticing the cataplexy coming back and being a lot worse um Mm. And so they have other drugs that they can like pair you with, but being on state insurance, you have to be careful, like what you ask for. So there are some newer drugs out there. I was on a drug. It was actually easier to get when I didn't have insurance. It was only $9 a month for me. Cause they have like a patient assistance program. It's called Sinosi. And basically it's a failed, um, SNRI, I believe. Um, wow. Yeah. Cause they noticed like it didn't help with depression, but it made everybody stay awake. And they're like, oh, this is great for narcoleptics. Um, <laughs> you can find a silver lining in it somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it actually worked really well for me. And that was probably the best I'd ever felt. Yeah. Um, but when I got on the state insurance, they didn't, they don't cover it. And oh. there's another one called Wakex too. It's um, an antihistamine that they've been working with. Um, and unfortunately Wakex wasn't covered either. So then in, they didn't want to cover modafinil either, which is like what I had been on and what I knew what I I was okay. They wanted to put me on amphetamines. And with my history of anxiety, they, my doctor was like, no, that's a, that's a bad idea. Yeah. And then they put me on something called R modafinil, which is basically the newer version of modafinil. Um, but it has a tendency to cause depression and it just put me into a hole. Like I, I'm, I didn't leave my room for days. Like I was just like, didn't even turn on the lights. Like my parents were like, 
R O are you okay? Like I was yeah. like, I'm not okay. Nope. Yeah. And you have to be careful sometimes with the reactions, certain medications. And mm-hmm. like my doctor wants to has recommended me to go on Lyrica and I won't take it because my dad had had taken it for something different and he almost had a psychotic break on it. Oh wow. So, you know, I'm like, I don't want to take it because I don't want that psychotic break. And too many of our symptoms are too similar. So mm-hmm. I just don't think I should be taking that. Yeah. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. Right. So, but, it, but people forget that some medications can have a very detrimental psychological effect. Very much so. On you. Yeah. I mean the only, so modafinil, I don't think it was on there like formulary, but they let me do it because he's like, okay, you've taken away all these drugs from her. Like she mm-hmm. clearly can't be on our modafinil because like she, like I started like the suicidal ideation again, like it got yeah. really, really bad. And I had only been on it for like a few weeks and oh, yeah. that's no, yeah, time to go. Yeah. And so luckily they let me be on that. Um, so, you know, this, they kind of add things on as you start needing it. So now I'm on venlafaxine or what's called Effexor. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also on um, modafinil and then the Zyrum. And, um, you know, I have scheduled naps. Um, so generally between the hours of like 12 and two, I try not to schedule anything. Um, and I always take a nap for like at least 20 minutes, 20 minutes to an hour. I always give myself. Um, it's funny because now my boyfriend excuse me, um, will take naps with me. And he's like, you know, I'm really enjoying these like daily afternoon naps. Like, why did I never do that? It's like data narcoleptic. You get, <laughs> look at the benefits you get. That's right. You get more relaxation. Yeah. Your sleep hygiene is improved. Cause I was like, sir, put down the video games. Like, <laughs> so tell me what things would you recommend? What things do you recommend people look out for if they're concerned and what would you recommend for people that, you know, are like, I really think I have this. What, what should my next steps be? So one thing to really look out for is like, there's a difference between tired and there's a difference between tired. And what I find is when I have like my narcolepsy, it's like, like, I am always tired, but I do, I do also have like phases like normal people where I'll be like, oh man, that was dumb. I stayed up too late or like, oh no, this is like, I'm having a problem and it's a visceral tired. So it's less of like, I'm just tired. I kind of stayed up too late and you wake up and you have energy. It's like, you can sleep and it can be a little better but no amount of sleep you need days worth of sleep in order to like regain your energy back after like a day of hard work like a lot of people will wake up and be like okay that sucked last night but I'm better and I need like days um and you know sometimes it's like hard to get out of bed because it's like a visceral like tired exhaustion like pain and like your bones and like your ligaments and things like that and you can like feel it yeah horrible fatigue people don't understand unless they're sick 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, I just can't. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also, um, you know, if you start seeing cataplexy, so like if, you know, during sexy time, if you find like, like there's a certain amount, but there's also like, if you can't like move after, or like for a certain amount of time, or like, if you have like, you know, if you get angry and then all of a sudden you feel like your knees weaken or your head kind of like weaken or your face droop. Um, it doesn't have to be like the profound, like falling over. Um, you know, if you're falling asleep, like if you've getting full night sleep and it, but you still find that you're falling asleep, like watching TV, just like sitting there quietly or like, you know, after lunch and you're falling asleep, like like I worked a an office job like way before I started working in like food service in the veterinary industry and every day at 2 p.m no matter what I did I could not like stay awake and now I know that that was the excessive daytime sleepiness mm-hmm. um you know even like walk going on walks sometimes I would like find a bench like far away from my office just to like get like a quick two minute nap or if you're falling asleep like at traffic lights and things like that yeah Um, so if that's something where you think that like you are having it, so I truly believe that it's very underdiagnosed. It says it's really rare. I just believe that doctors are having people come to them saying I'm tired and they're like, cool, me too. Cause that's what I was told for so long. Mm -hmm. So I, and that's what they'll say too, is they're like, if you look it up on Google, they'll say like, oh, you have um, you know, it's rare, this many people have it, but you know, there's a lot of underdiagnosing going on. Um, do your research and have your fat. And I hate having to say this, but understand that most like neuros and like some sleep doctors, unless they're like a sleep specialist, but, um, you know, they've only had a couple sentences describing what you've, what you're feeling and they're not living in your body. And mm-hmm. almost sometimes you really do have to advocate for yourself, know the tests, mm-hmm. demand the tests, you know, if that's something that your insurance covers or that you can pay for, like, you know, ask for the tests, like say, I think I need a sleep study. I think I need this. Like, can we do the MSLT? Um, I know that they also do things like um, spinal taps to test like your orexin, but I'm not letting anybody go near there. Um, like, unless there's like, you. <laughs> no, if you, you. Can, if you can get the diagnosis without a spinal without tap, it, yeah. get the diagnosis without the spinal tap. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, there's more like information coming out every single day. Um, there's a, something called like wake up narcolepsy. They have a lot of different, um, like write-ups about it. They talk a lot about it. And if you think about it like this, like a sleep attack feels like you've stayed awake for 48 hours straight Mm -hmm. um, for like normal people. And so that's what I'll kind of describe to people as like an understanding of like how exhausted I am. And if that's something that you're feeling where you're like, you all of a sudden you get like hit by a train where you were fine like 10 minutes ago, like that's not normal. Like I am here to tell you like, I gaslighted myself for so long about this, but like, that's not normal. Like, please, please understand that like, there is something there. Like no matter how many people have told you there isn't. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the hardest things for, for us is 
gaslighting ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm having a good day. I must not have a chronic illness. No, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Having you know, a good day. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to have a chronic illness. And yeah. that's, I think, what was so hard for me to like internalize is like, you didn't do anything wrong. Exactly. You like, you just existing. And because it does have autoimmune things too. So, like, I had strep throat every two weeks when I was a child. Oh my God. Wow. Like, I, yeah, I ended up having to get like my tonsils out at like five or six or something like that. And, um, they think that maybe that may have, I mean, you know, my mom even says though, that like as a baby, I just slept, I slept through meal times, I slept and I would get viscerally like angry getting woken up. So, you know, you can be born with it. You can, um, it can turn on like from autoimmune, um, through like sickness. There was actually when H1N1 was a really big thing, Mm -hmm. um, the, vaccine so the h1n1 molecule that they made the vaccine for looks very similar to orexin so through the vaccine the body attacked the orexin as well as h1n1 oh oh geez so yeah especially i think it was like really prevalent in like europe i want to say like sweden but i might be totally wrong but like um, I actually, I was nervous about getting the COVID vaccine because, and then I had to talk to my doctor, like, okay, is this like specifically an H1N1 thing? Or is this like, sure. you know, w- what's happening lately? Um, so with that being said, the COVID vaccine is totally fine. So oh, good. Okay. <laughs> that is good news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it can happen later in life. It can happen early. It typically takes like five to 10 years to get diagnosed unfortunately just that's terrible because you know they don't the symptoms aren't profound enough and because the symptoms so the problem with narcolepsy is the primary disease is the destruction of the orexin so the things that it causes are from this as a result of the sleep deprivation from the lack of the circadian rhythm so that's what makes it so hard is that it, you have to wait for the sleep deprivation to oh, okay. cause these things. Yeah. So yeah, I can, I can yeah, see imagine. where I can see where they would dismiss a lot of symptoms as other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you put the whole picture together, it's, it's a lot clearer. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too, is everything you're saying, yes, it takes a long time, but if they started putting the whole picture together earlier, they might've caught it earlier. I truly wish I've seen more about it. So I truly hope that this is something that they are studying more and like spending more time on. And like, because I think that there are so many people suffering out there with this or with like idiopathic hypersomnia, which is like slightly different and like not completely the same, but it's so debilitating that sleep is sleep is highly understudied mm-hmm. to begin with. And then when you have disordered sleep patterns or, you know, disordered neurological patterns that affect sleep, it's not looked at in the same way. Mm-hmm. It's just not being studied. I, I know like um, Dr. Jen Ashton, who's on good morning America talks a lot about sleep and it's almost like, seriously, you're doing another thing on sleep, but 
she's always saying you can't catch up on sleep and your body doesn't. And it's like, I think more people should see sleep doctors and should have these mm-hmm. conversations because I think we normalize being tired all the time. I think we normalize fatigue. We, we normalize, you know, those, those moments where, yeah, you might be at a light and dozing off because we just think, oh, well, I worked really hard today. I just must be kind of tired, but those things aren't normal. But then, then you add in that you look normal Mm -hmm. and they take it even, you know, less seriously. They're like, well, you know, she looks fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It could probably be all in her head. Exactly. And like when your blood values are normal and like, and it's like, it's so hard to like see that and then be like, okay, I probably am normal. And like, I can't even imagine how many people are, cause I know that I did this and it wasn't until I couldn't function anymore. And like, I couldn't go on that. I was like, I have a problem. Like there's a fundamental problem here that I can't fix anymore. Absolutely. That's a lot of people in the chronic illness community. It takes until they hit that breaking point mm-hmm. to propel them to see doctors or to have these conversations because we've normalized so many of our symptoms for so long. Mm-hmm. We are literally gaslighting ourselves. It's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's, it's so hard, but you know, I would, I would say to anyone who's listening, if, if anything in this episode rang kind of true to you, it is really important to talk to your doctor about this because yeah. I, I agree with you. I do think narcolepsy is underdiagnosed just because of, especially in the United States, how we talk about sleep, how we talk about being tired, how we talk about, you know, dozing off sometimes it's, it's kind of people laugh it off. So I, I do agree with you. I think it's, I think it's highly underdiagnosed. Oh yeah. And don't give up if a doctor turns you away or doesn't take oh, you seriously, yeah. keep pushing forward, keep fighting. You really should, like you said, be your own advocate. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is so, like, I wish I didn't have to say that, but do your research too. And like, yes. know what symptoms are coming in and say like, this happens at this time, like this, like you all keep a journal. To, yeah. Keep a journal, but you kind of also know what you want from your doctor mm-hmm. and, and be honest with your doctor. If you're like, I'm having all these symptoms, I am not sure what my next steps would be, but I'd like to explore why they're happening. Mm-hmm. What can I do to explore it? Um, but you kind of have to know what you want from your doctor also, because I have had doctors ask me, so what do you want the next step to be? What do you want this to happen? And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I want to find out why this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just kind of talk that through with them. Cause sometimes they'll just listen to what you want and go with it. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I've had doctors do that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well we can order these tests to explore this. And I'm like, okay, let's yeah. explore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And you kind of did that when you went, you know, when you went to the first sleep doctor and then you were like crying and your dad's like, well, what about this? And you kind of did that when you went to see the second sleep doctor and you're like, this is, I want you to figure this out. Mm-hmm. What can we do to figure this out? Mm-hmm. and you know and have them help you mm-hmm. and yeah. it's scary because you I like looking back on it like I know that I was at a crossroads then and I'm glad I made the decision that I did but like know that you're not alone and that you're not you're not there's not something wrong like there could be something wrong with you but like there's not something wrong with you yeah it's just like it's just a chronic illness that you happen to have 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's things out there to help you, but you, and unfortunately you have to like seek it out. Yes. Yeah. Cause it can't get better where you're at. Like it can only get worse, like where you're at. So, so get the help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on. We are so appreciative. You were so awesome. So I learned amazing. so much. I did too. The, it's such, it's so fascinating because I, you know, we, again, I, like I said in the beginning, we don't talk about narcolepsy that often and we don't talk about it as a chronic illness. Like we should be talking about it. So, um, I just appreciate you being here. Um, you can find Morgan on TikTok because that's how we found Morgan. <laughs> um, Morgan, what's your handle so people can find you? It's uh, at Morgs and Friends. So um, that's my business. So uh, if you like sugar glider, con- sugar glider content or just want to see more of me, uh, you can find me there. Okay, awesome. Thank and yes, you. if you like sugar glider content, she's awesome. So do follow her and... If you like sugar gliders and you want some of her products, you can also get those too. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Thank you so much, Morgan. We appreciate you being here. You guys. Thanks guys for listening. Yeah, like and follow us on social media too. Mm-hmm. Like, We're everywhere. Love. Um, and thank we'll chat more next time. Thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. <laughs> all right. And everyone have a good week. <laughs>